This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. To me, who are the two best players ever to Well, Carmelo, so I'm going to go to Washington. Pearl Washington, Derek Coleman, and, and Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, yep. they're the best. Yep. They're the best. All right. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank, thank, you know thank who you. it's Talk not? Buddy Beheim. God, that no, guy's it's... annoying. <laughs> is there a more annoying? Not only is the, he the son of the coach who I hate, but his name is Buddy. Yeah. God. It's, good that, it, it's good that you didn't leave this appearance without savaging somebody. Else. Yeah, Buddy, but he's like 20 years old. I'm the worst. <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So every once in a while, the stars align and something happens that's really good for this show. And as you know, this happened about a week, two weeks ago, where the people from Skechers said to me, we're going to send you some shoes. We're going to send you some shoes. Because I had mentioned in our happy birthday to Howie Long, I had just mentioned that he does, you know, he does shoe commercials. And I said, and you want to hook me up with some Skechers 10 and a half. And that was the Extra last wide, one. Extra wide, memory I, foam. Yeah, I didn't say any of those things. And I've seen the commercials on, on television. So they sent me four pair of Skechers. It's going to take you years to get through. Four, four <laughs> pair of Skechers. Now, I don't need four pair of shoes because I only have one pair of feet. And as everybody knows, I wear those bass shoes all the time. All the time. That's what I wear. But I'm going to try to break these Still in. Still having issues with the right shoe? No. No, 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 good no, no, no. No, that that's good. I got rid of that pair. I got I, rid of I that thought pair. it might be something that you know was recurring. No, no, I don't have a, a foot problem or a shoe problem, and they don't seem to have it either. So, so all of that is good. So, four pair of Skechers is a little too much. The problem when you want to give someone shoes, the problem is you have to get the right size. For example, Nigel and I would have given him a pair of shoes. These shoes would be too big for him. Michael, you're you twelve and a half, something like that. It used to be. As I get older, the shoe, shoe size shrinks. I don't know why. What are you now? I don't really want to admit to that. Are you 10 and a half? No, God, no. <laughs> oh, okay. So, 10 and a half? Come yeah, on. that's okay. So, you're <laughs> 10 and a half? Yeah, so you're, so these shoes would not fit you. They'd be too small for you. You could not get your feet in. No, into but them. After, after the Hammer's 18 month checkup yesterday, he might be in these shoes sooner than he thinks. <laughs> okay, because he's a big, thick kid. Oh, yeah. So, I mentioned to Sean, I say, Sean, and let's just prepare, let's just pretend that we're doing this for the first time. Sean, what is your shoe size? Uh, ten and a half. Oh, Sean, this really? is your lucky day because that's what the shoes are. So you're going to get yourself a pair of Skechers, and you get a pair of shoes. So isn't that and great? That's, that's awesome. Great. He might get a second pair of shoes. I don't know. I got I got some sitting in the closet. I have to look and see which one you get, but I will. Look I'll and make see. the choice. No, no. What? I think I have a better sense of Sean's style. <laughs> he's a, he's a city guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me continue. <laughs> Let me continue with the theme of clothing for a second. If you recall, about three weeks ago, we got this nice package. Well, not a nice package. We got this really nice note from Elliot Olshansky that he had bid on the clothing from Agent Stan Beeman 
in the Americans, and he'd gotten a whole bunch of clothes, a whole bunch of Brooks Brothers clothes, actually, for about 180 right, bucks. Right, less than retail. Yeah, way less than retail. Way less than retail. And he sent me a tie. He sent me a green tie, just a, a common striped Brooks Brothers tie. A rep tie. A rep tie. It's just absolutely wonderful. So I wore it once on PTI. Four in one hand? Yes. So I wore it once on PTI, and at the end of the show, I was going to shout out to Elliot Olshansky. And hold up the tie. But Wilbon just went on and on about something with pro basketball, and there was no time. So by the time I got to say Elliot Olshansky, the, the whisper, PTI, had already happened, and so it didn't make the show. Yesterday, against my better judgment, because it's only been about two or three weeks since I wore the tie the last time, and I have about 90 ties, and I wear them three times a year at the most, I wore it again. Because I thought, okay, I'm going to wear it again. I'm going to do the show. At the end, I'm going to hold up the tie and I'm going to say, Elliot Olshansky, thanks. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hands on the tie and wave it into the camera. So we get to the end of the show, and, and our timing is off because we're not using the regular Azuro camera because it doesn't work. It just goes. It I think it's a Comcast issue. Well, it's either Comcast or Azuro. It's some issue that that connection isn't working. So we had to use the iPad. And the timing is off on the iPad. And the delay is so much greater. It's like a second and a half to two seconds. And if you watched the show yesterday, there were times, significant amount of times, when Wilbon and I were just sitting there. And there were no words. Because I couldn't hear him or he couldn't hear me. It's not that we couldn't hear each other. It's that there was a delay. The show's back to being produced in D.C., though, now that we're no, to No, it was in Bristol yesterday. It's going back to D.C. today. And I think that, that, that our problems will be lessened. Anyway, at the end of the show, I held up the tie. I waved it around. And I said, Elliot Olshansky, shout out. I watched the end of the show. It, it was cut off. Clipped. It was cut off. So, Elliot, I know you're listening. You're done. Okay, we're not doing it again. I did it twice. You saw the tie. You have my gratitude. I'm not doing it again because it suggestion. doesn't work. Instead of putting up artwork from when I was in first grade, why don't, you just, why don't you just tape the tie to the background? You don't like your it. artwork out there? I like my artwork fine. Yeah. I think people are tired the, of seeing my finger painting. This is your week. 1994. This is the last day that we're doing that. You're out from this day forward for a while. But that's just a nice background. It's a nice colorful Maybe background. Maybe Walker could give you some artwork. I got this lovely, uh, a package came to my house from Jake Hodish in Cincinnati, Ohio. I saw Cincinnati on the side. I thought it was Tony Beeson of I Have a Piano fame, but it's Jake Hodish. I'm going to read this. a big box for piano. TK, a few weeks back, you spent considerable time on your podcast talking about Pierre Cardin. Your thoughts took you back to a time when you actually had to get dressed for work. You spoke with fondness about a tie, a Pierre Cardin tie. This inspired me to go on a search. Although I could not find the exact tie you described, I think I got pretty close. It's not the tie I described. It's a different texture. It's, a, it's, it's, it's different, and it doesn't have the Pierre Cardin logo at the bottom, which is what I remember so fondly. But let me continue to write. My wife thinks I am insane for hunting down a tie, paying real money for it, and then sending it to you. I explained to her the entertainment and enjoyment that you bring me and how much it means to me, and maybe most of all, it's free. My father had a long-time pen-pal relationship, and here is where the connective tissue kicks in. Had a long-time pen-pal relationship with George Michael of the George Michael Sports Machine. George Michael was the first person to put us on television, uh, me and Mike. The first person to do it. George Michael did it. We live in Ohio. Anyhow, 
My father found out that George Michael loved photos of baseball players sliding. We are collectors of all things interesting and weird. So my dad began digging deep into the crates, and he unearthed some sliding photos and started sending them to George. My father would go on to hunt down sliding photos and sent them to George. This went on for years. Digging into eBay and finding a tie for you made me feel great. It reminded me of my dad sending George photos of old-time baseball players sliding. You and I have Pierre Cardin. George and my dad had Roberto Clemente. I hope this finds you well. It is a beautiful tie. It has the polka dots that I remember. Again, different texture and without the logo. It is a deep blue tie with red polka dots. A cherry red. It is the kind of tie that people wore in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. They do not wear these kinds of ties now, but maybe they will come back. I promise Jake Hodesh that I will wear this tie at some point in the coming weeks, and I give him my gratitude for doing this. Very, very nice. On another point, I got this nice note from Alan Holty in Henderson, Nevada, who writes, I know how much you enjoy receiving letters in the mail versus emails. I only wish I could provide you with the same amount of enjoyment that you have given me over the years. I've been a loyal PTI fan for 19 years and have recently discovered your podcast. I've learned to stop parking my car with out-of-state plates in front of your house, never to drive a Subaru, <laughs> not to uh, use a bank drive through not to make ravioli with sugar, how to get a table from my uncle, and how to use the code. And it goes on. It's just very, very nice. And people, I've also received recently more holiday cards from people. And, and it just gets me to thinking, and I know that Michael appreciates this, it just gets me to thinking that there is a profound connection. There is. It does not happen in television. It does not happen in writing. It happens in this form, the audio form, because you can legitimately think that I am talking specifically to you, because indeed I am. Indeed, I am. What do you think of all this? It's very uh, nice. You, you're going to go through all these letters, and you're not going to get into the sartorial choice that you were wearing. Please talk about that. So I, I show up today. Over the last six weeks, Dad has gone into what I would consider his main, old age mode, main northeast mode, almost like a Bernie Sanders type situation here. But I don't have with, mittens, and I'm not sitting down being put into every <laughs> I, photograph I love in the America. Bernie memes around DC. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa taking the kids down to the Capitol. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he now looks like a lobster fisherman who is stuck at sea <laughs> off the coast of Situate. Yeah. And this has been big cable knit sweaters, the hat that's, you know. Straight, Carol made the hats. Great hat. You're, you're literally straight off the dock in the wire season two. Unloading, I, I look, unloading shipping crates. I look like the father of the Gorton's fisherman. That's who I look like. <laughs> so the hat's just <laughs> jauntily off to the side. Yeah just ripped off the corner and today you took it to the next level i show up you're wearing a zip up cardigan yeah. pockets yeah like a cable weave across the chest yeah. and a and a collar that sticks straight up that would make count dracula jealous yeah and apparently this is something that you purchased where and when i think i purchased this 40 years ago in ireland i don't think i have worn it at least in the last 20 to 25 years. You don't remember it at all, so it's possible I haven't worn it in the last 35 years. You don't remember it, right? You... I, I don't, but there is a picture of the two of us where I am probably the, the age of the hammer right now, and we are, it's a shot from the back. We are, watching on, we are walking on a beach, and I've tried to recreate that with both boys, Yeah, and I am wearing a sweater, you're wearing, a cream-colored sweater. You're wearing this kind of sweater, but it's not a zip-up. It's a pullover. Right. It's I, a, I know it, that it, picture. Yeah, it's a crew-neck sweater, and that's, I'm having strong just memories of this. This is That picture, by the way, was taken in, in Scotland, I believe, the picture that you are referring to. Um, this is an Aran sweater, A-R-A-N. 
It is made in a very specific way with a very specific color. It is a sort of whitish, tannish color. You can read the thing that you have on your on your phone. I can pull it up from the yeah. trusted Wikipedia. Aaron, A-R-A-N, it's a certain kind of sheep that lives on a specific island off the west coast of Ireland in the way that Pringle sweaters are very famous in England um, and Scotland and for a while, Nick Faldo, that's all he wore were Pringle sweaters whenever he played golf in a colder climate. Lovely sweaters, really. And I, still I think wear Pringle sweaters. I think I have one of them somewhere. It was you know, a, a big joy for me to buy a Pringle sweater. I wanted an Aaron sweater because this was that fisherman, lobsterman look. And I just thought, man, those sweaters are beautiful, and I'll bet they're really warm. They are not cashmere. They are merino, but a thick merino, not a thin, stylish merino. This is not a stylish sweater. This is a let-me-get-warm sweater. What does it say? It says, originally, the jumpers, and we're in real business when we're calling them jumpers, were knitted using unscoured wool that retained its natural oils, lanolin, which made the garments water-resistant and meant they remained wearable even when wet. So when you're you know, at the bow just trying to fight back those waves, yeah. you can still make forward progress. Yeah, yeah. you're trying to not just fight back the waves, yeah, but the, the what they've catch. unleashed, the kraken. And the Kraken is trying to eat all the stuff that you've got. So this, so I bought this in Born Ireland. Back ceaselessly to the past. I bought this in. I think I bought it in Ireland. I think I'm not even sure. I don't really remember. It's been such a long time. Or hex. But I, I could have bought it in hex. <laughs> yes, in the Irish display window. And I, I, I can't even remember the last time I wore it. And I just saw it. It was, it was down deep in a, in a chest of drawers. And I took it out and I said, you know, I'm gonna wear this for a while. I'm going to wear this for a the while. The collar, straight up into your ears. Yeah, but if you if you zip the zipper all the way up, you can fold oh, you can over. you turn the, it down. You can, I think. But it then it, it has a tendency to want to go up and, and you can't rip out your back. eyes. It's like holding back the tide. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure you can do it. So that's, okay, so that's all of it. That's everything I've got today. I wanted to. I'll give my update on my Wicked ride from... Uh, from my Peloton next week. Maybe. Oh, okay. oh do you, I almost did my first live ride. I think I'm through 77 rides, and I was saving it for the wicked. I got too nervous in the last minute. I got some issues with the playlist. They followed, you know, the act structure, but it's hard to get me doing Defying Gravity when I'm up in the 90s on Resistance, third song in. Is that impressive? Up in the nineties on resistance? Is that I don't know what that means. Is that it's impressive? like the Washington Post? Like, is if that a humble brag? It, if you get it, you get it. No, if you if you. Uh, it, it's if you don't get it, you don't get if it. If you don't, oh yeah, if you don't get it, you don't, you don't get, get it. it. The yeah. Washington Post. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Candace Med came up with that with that whole program and that campaign. That's thirty years ago. Everything in my life is at least thirty years ago. It's time to go, kids. It's time to go. We will come back with Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Vincero ad. With this new year, it's time to get started on improving yourself. No one knows that better than one of our favorite sponsors, Vincero. These guys know just how important it is to look and feel your best, and they are here to help keep you motivated through 2021. If you're looking to upgrade your look, don't waste money on a cheap cookie-cutter watch that doesn't get you noticed. Finding a watch that's this good-looking, built to last, can cost way too much money. Vincero watches is changing that. They believe you deserve to look good no matter your budget. You deserve better than settling for something underwhelming. So head over to VinceroWatches.com slash Tony. And, and if you just read that, people are going, well, how do I spell that? Vincero is spelled V-I-N-C-E-R-O. Like you could say Vincero, but I think the Italianate pronunciation is Vincero, though I have been told it's not. VinceroWatches.com slash Tony. 
Check out these watches. Take advantage of the special discount while you shop. It's important to shop now because they have new color releases for the new year, and they sell out fast. Check out the dark olive silver Chrono S. Vincero understands the frustration of online shopping. These guys get it. That's why they make it as easy as possible for you. With the new year, they're now offering five-year warranty and 365-day return policy. It's a stress-free shopping with fair and honest prices. I'm telling you, this is a timepiece you will use. Well, of course you'll use it. Why would you buy it if you weren't going to use it? You're going to buy it to, to you know, put in a box? It's a watch. This is a piece that will last. Although I guess they want me to say timepiece, not watch. Timepiece is nice. This is something that will help you look and feel incredible so that you feel prepared to take on the day and accomplish everything you set out to do this year. The deal is too good to pass up. Get the year started the right way. Go to Vincero, V-I-N-C-E-R-O, watches.com slash Tony. Use the discount code Tony. It'll be applied at checkout. Do not pay full price on these beautiful timepieces. Go to this link. Check out awesome timepieces. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. They had me at hello on this one, I think. We were so happy, we were so in love, we were young. This is Nelly's Echo. This is sent to us by Matthew Shell, who produced this tune. Um, it's called Calling for You. It's really lovely. Just lovely. Nelly's Echo. You know, Jason, you do a radio show on a regular radio station, right? Yes, sir. It's a regular station. It's not like a podcast. It, it could not be any more regular. Right. So, But what I mean is, if you work for a regular radio station, you can acquire music to play in your guests or your segments at a much, much lower rate than I can. It's just really different. Do you use music to bring people in? Uh, absolutely. I am actually fairly fanatic about it, and I feel, I feel bad for our producer, Cordell, sometimes, because I'll send him like out of the blue like a text of like 50 songs that I want, like for the next week. Okay. Like, it could but these... be any time, like no rhyme or reason, or I'll go to like one of those websites, like today in music history. I'm like, Oh wow. Pyromania came out, you know, 35 years ago today. We're going to play a bunch of Def Leppard today. So what I'm getting to is that you have the ability on a regular radio station an over the air radio station to acquire these songs at very little cost. That's the deal on regular radio, but on podcast radio, it, the cost is prohibitive. So we play only original music, only original That's, music, because I like I songs it. coming That's in. Super I'm just going to say to you that maybe you would consider that as well. I mean, if you screen some of the music, playing some original music, because it makes people who, who do the music so happy. It really does. No, that's awesome. It's, I, I, we are so regular that we don't have the net that you have, but I should start casting out like on social media, hey, if you have original music, you know what I mean? Send it to us, and then we'll mix that in with like yeah, the I think stuff like I want to hear. That drives, yeah. probably drives people away, to be honest with you. They probably, mm. probably numerous times they turn off the station because they don't like the intro music. But what are you going to do? Mm. So let me get to the football. Tone. I'm not for everybody. Nobody's for everybody. Nobody. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, yeah, so, so let's get to the games because these are the, champ, the league conference championship games. And the overriding question of all is will Patrick Mahomes play and yep. if he plays how effective will he be with not only a concussion something right. lingering perhaps but what seems to be a left foot injury as well what sure. do you know I, well everything is trending now t 
towards him playing, he's been able to clear all the uh, different sort of uh, check marks and hallmarks and mileposts of, of the protocol. So that's trending in the right direction. Um, he hasn't had any setbacks in practice. He's been able to do more uh, as the days have gone on. There's always the possibility, though, with a concussion that, you know, one day you wake up symptomatic or you're not, you're not feeling quite right. Um, and then, you know, that could send things in a, in a very different direction. But barring that, as long as he continues to feel asymptomatic and be able to perform without any setbacks, then, yes, I think from that regard, you're going to see him play football. But um, I think the issue with his toe and how that was clearly affecting him in that uh, Browns game, I'm not sure that, that that's going to be markedly different You know, a few days later. I think you probably will see him still at least somewhat limited, somewhat hobbled. And, uh, you know, does, does that get better? As the uh, as the game goes on, or, or does that become even more cause for concern? I, I think those are going to be the kind of things that that I'm sure the broadcast team and Andy Reid and everybody else will be paying close attention to. Even you know a little dinged up, he's still one of the most special players in in football. Um, but I didn't really love the way he was moving in that game last week. Do you think they could win with Chad Henney the whole game? I don't think they can. I think it would be a tall ask because I, I do think the Bills are going to score some points. I don't think the Bills are going to be held. I mean, I, I was going to say 17 points, but seven of it was scored by the defense. I mean, they, the yeah, Bills they had only 10 have offensive points. Yeah, yeah they had one, one touchdown drive Diggs. In, ten, yeah. in 10 possessions against the Ravens. Um, mm. And they, their average starting field position was like the 35, and they had two drives that started in Baltimore field position and still only produced one offensive touchdown. I, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. So, yeah, I, I don't know that, that they could keep pace with Henny. I, I don't think they're going to have to find out. Um, but as much as Henny had a couple of great plays, uh, at the end there he also had that sort of hot air balloon interception, and yep. he's not Patrick Mahomes. No, no, not at all. all right, so that, that is a game that will be determined, I think, by the percentage of Patrick Mahomes' ability up to 100 that he can garner, right? I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know, I, I think so. And what do I'm interested to see how balanced Andy Reid is as well. I, I have a weird feeling, and Buffalo did not make any pretense about running the ball. In the first half in particular. Not in the first in the half. First half nope. They had three carries. One was a, I think, non-designed quarterback run. One was a handoff to a running back. And one was Allen taking a knee at the end of the half. And then they ran it, I think, about 13 times, 12 or 13 times in the second half. Um, I think they'll be more balanced. And, and I think whether um, Edwards Elaire plays or not, I have a feeling that Andy Reid plays a little bit more of a ball control game as well. Okay. Let me go to the other game and the expectation on Brady and Rodgers, your thoughts about this, which team you think mm-hmm. will win this game? <sighs> I really look at this as a, as a toss-up. I, I think this could be one of those sort of quintessential uh, gunslinger showdown games where the guy who has the, the ball in his hands in the final 90 seconds is the guy who's going to prevail. Um, you know, I'm, I haven't done a deep dive into the weather situation, but when you have you know teams that are this much of a contrast in where they play, I think it can be a factor. 
Um, you know, it's, it's in essence, a, um, it's out of the element. It's out of sort of the normal comfort zone, even if it's a mild day by Lambeau standards yeah. for what a lot of the Bucks are used to. Not Brady, though. Right. I don't think it'll right. affect Brady. I don't think it'll affect right. Gronk. It, it may not affect right. – I don't think it'll affect most guys, but there could be a situation or two where it's a bit of an issue. Um, I, I kind of have a weird feeling that, that Tampa finds a way to win this. Um, they have been more balanced since their Week 13 bye. Bruce Arians has kind of – met Tom Brady in the middle on a few things in, in terms of the scope of the offense, not as many three and four vertical shots. I mean, that stuff's still there and they still do it quite a bit, but I don't think they're as over-reliant on it as they were, you know, the first mm-hmm. three months of the mm-hmm. season. And one thing that's kind of piqued my interest is the Fournette the last few weeks has been a reliable football player for them in the running game and the passing game. And I think the way Green Bay tries to attack the quarterback if Fournette's able to catch, you know, if he's targeted eight to ten times and he has, you know, six to eight catches, I, I think he can put that pass rush on its heels a little bit. And he's been getting some yards after the catch lately. Uh, I think that will be a big element in this game. Um, I think Bruce Arians has to be willing to run the ball, even if it's not necessarily super productive at times, just to help out his offensive line and help out Tom Brady a little bit and to set up play action. You know, he's got to sell the run enough early in this game that the play action is really getting people to bite. Um, And that defense in Green Bay has been susceptible to volume in the run game. And, look, Aaron Rodgers is going to make plays. Devontae Adams is going to make plays. Um, You know, I think this sets up to be an incredibly interesting football game. This time of year, you just always wonder, does Brady have some – you know, does he have a rabbit in his head? I, yeah, I, I mean, we all look forward, everybody looks forward to that. Let me just shift gears. In the last week, three different people were hired. I had not heard of any of them, I'm sure. you're. <laughs> well, I had. I had heard of Dan Campbell because I remember Dan Campbell. Right. When he was the interim coach at Miami when I thought he was a muscle-bound maniac, a screamer. And I can't believe Detroit gave him six years. I wouldn't have given him one year. I've never heard of Nick Sirianni, yeah. who was hired yesterday. I hadn't heard of Brandon Staley, but but if you coordinate the Rams' defense, people around the league had heard of you. Uh, there's context here in that the league had said, let's try and get as many minority hires yes, as sir. possible. And the minority hires have come in the general managership, yeah. but not on the coaching level. How? What is your sense of how the league is looking at this? How important is it for Eric Bieniemy or someone else of color to be hired by Houston? And what do you think the chances are of that? It's a, it's a million questions, but sure, you, sure. you know. Go ahead. Um, I'll start at sort of the macro level. Um, this is going to be a major topic of conversation through this offseason. Um, at the end of the day, you're trying to get owners to think differently. They have proven time and time and time and time and time again that they're not really all that interested in doing it, not really all that willing to do it. At the end of the day, more times than not, overwhelmingly more times than not, they're going to come back around and hire people who – look like them how you change that um they've gone about it with the carrot and not the stick right it's it's different ways to keep trying to um first it was to highlight the pipeline of coaches and to create networking opportunities for coaches of color to get around decision makers or at least to create 
more resources for decision makers, um, you know, literally binders of candidates that every team would have, that there would be no excuse to say, I, don't, I didn't know about this guy and I didn't know about that guy. And then they approached it that way for a while. And then um, the numbers, nothing <laughs> was changing. In fact, it was going in a, a less diverse uh, direction. So then it was the carrot, like, oh, well, we're going to incentivize this. We're going to expand the scope of the Rooney role. We're going we're to try to, you know, get more people of color into coordinating positions and assistant GM positions and GM positions. Uh, and, and we're going to give you these draft picks. You know, you, you, if you have a, a you know, you, you develop a, a minority coach or GM and they get hired somewhere else, you're going to get these draft picks. And you're right, it, it seems to be working on the GM side, but when it comes mm-hmm. down to sort of the, the face of the franchise and the, uh, the singular voice for the franchise, it, it hasn't. And so I hear more and more about the stick. Okay, carrot's not working. What about the stick? Um, I've talked to uh, D. Smith of the NFLPA about that this week, and he's putting together some proposals that the NFLP because the NFLPA is not interested in this, because a lot of these men who aren't getting these jobs are former players. They were longtime you know, dues-paying members of the NFLPA, and D. Smith keeps hearing from players saying, this isn't right. This doesn't represent our league. Why are 75, you know, 70% of us on the field look this way, and we don't have people who look like us who are deciding our fate, who are cutting us, who are hiring us, who are negotiating our contracts, who, who are owning these teams, who are team presidents. So at a grassroots level, players are pissed off about this now. Um, the league office really tried to tell these guys, and, and men and women, that this can't just be a buzzword. This has to be an action word. Well, it hasn't been. So I think you will start to hear more this spring as we get close to the, the late March league meeting, whether that's in person or virtual, about proposals for if you now, let's say, you know, in 2020 you fire your coach and in 2021 you fire your general manager and you hire the people you've always had. That third hiring cycle, if you don't put someone um, – of color in those positions, we're taking away your first round pick. Like maybe that will get people's attention. Like, are, are you going to now say that this white guy is a first round pick better than all these African American men and all their experiences? So I don't know if we're going to get there or how soon we get there, but that may be where it's going at a micro level. Uh, there's a lot of people who have the same sort of frustrations that you echoed Tony, where, um, I don't know that much about these guys, and it doesn't mean that they're not going to be. They know, could be okay, great. They could okay be Vince NFL Lombardi. Coaches or great NFL yeah, coaches or yep. crappy NFL coaches. Um, but it's the same old thing. Uh, they, there seems to be a willingness to sort of say, oh, what the bleep, we'll give it a shot with guys who look one way and yeah. not guys who look another way. The Houston thing, all eyes are on Houston, and all eyes kind of have been on Houston throughout this because of the, some of the comments that were caught on audio from Cal McNair, their, their owner in the past, from um, things that have gone on in that front office and, and, and just how toxic it's been. And with Deshaun Watson making it clear, mm-hmm. that I first reported back in October, you know, that you tell me I've got a voice in this, here's some people I really want you to consider, and then obviously they only start considering them those, those men, um, after everything gets out about how ticked off the quarterback is. Uh, I, I do think Leslie Frazier in particular could be um, 
the the bomb to a lot of this. He, he's a, a. I don't know anybody who's ever met Leslie Frazier who hasn't come out of that initial meeting saying that that's such an impressive human being. Um, he he overtly cares for others. He just he just radiates goodness and humility, and he is absolutely epitomizes the servant leader. And he's the complete opposite of Bill O'Brien. He's, he's a lot like Tony Dungy. Um, players love Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy can have a sternness about him, but he doesn't have to scream F-bombs in your face to get your attention. Uh, there's just a, 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 a sort of a, a quiet calmness uh, that puts other people at ease. And I think he could connect very quickly with Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson would come out of that meeting saying, that's a man I can play football for. No matter what I think of the GM search, no matter what I think of how we got here, no matter what I really think in my heart about this owner and how they make decisions here, I, I'm going to go out there and give my all for, for, for Coach Frazier. And, and then if that doesn't work for a year or whatever, and I, you know, then I, might, I might change my mind, but I'm going to give him an opportunity and show him what I can do. Um, I think the same would be of Eric Bieniemy in a lot of respects. I just don't know that it's going to go to Eric Bieniemy because of so much that's been Bieniemy, 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 Bieniemy. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's where it stands. Um, if they if they come out of this and they hire you know Matt Eberflus or, or somebody else, um, then I think the questions and the topics we just talked about, those conversations will be even more prominent and and um, will probably punctuate this off season. Even more, if, if you know Robert Sala ends up being the only um, diverse candidate who gets a head coach job, and seven of them opened up, um, I, I, that, I think that really okay. will, will ramp up some of uh, some of these conversations even further. But re- regardless, it's clear that it's what's being done right now. If you just continue to do this, it it may not it may not be enough. I will say that the tendency of late is to hire very young people in their mid to late 30s, um, and all of them have been white, with one exception, Brian Flores, 39 years old, mm-hmm. hired when he was 37, coming out of the Belichick tree at the Miami Dolphins. Let me get you out of here on one other thing. It's pretty easy. Philip Rivers, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? I'm going to ask you a question. Go ahead. Do you know who the number six highest rated passer in the history of the NFL is? Number six, I don't, but number I know that... Number six uh, all time. He was once, it, like many others, a, a, a person of great derision and a polarizing figure in the Washington football team organization before they were referred to as the Washington football team. It is one Kirk Cousins. And I, I point that out wow. to talk about the fear I have of compiling and the fear I have of playing a long time with some decent teams in a league that has become so overwhelmingly pass happy, at least in contrast to anything that took place, you know, from in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. So I get what Philip Rivers has done, but by the time Philip Rivers is eligible for the Hall of Fame, you're going to see Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins and these guys right around him and surpassing him in all likelihood in many of these key metrics. I I think he gets in. Could I sleep at night if he doesn't? I could. I could. I mean, I I think he's he's close. He's right there.
But, like, for me, even with the two Super Bowls, Eli Manning's not a Hall of Fame quarterback for me. Like, he's going to get in, and I'm not going to, like, stomp and complain and scream about it. Like, I get why he'll get in. But if you're asking me personally, he wouldn't. He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback for me. Um, so I, I just think that's where, you know, you're going to look at a lot of these figures, and it's going to, well, he's top nine in this, he's top ten in that, he's top ten in that. I'm just saying the league's not changing. They're going to continue to incentivize scoring and protecting quarterbacks. And if guys stay healthy, you're, you're going to see gaudy numbers that would in the past have connoted, well, if he's top ten in this, this, and this. There's nothing really to debate here. Okay, but that's a Pandora's box. I like this. That's a good, that's a, I hadn't thought of all of that. That's wonderful to hear. Plug your radio show for us. We don't usually sound this erudite. I step it up a notch for tone. If you want regular, that. regular radio, two to six, <laughs> we're not quite as, as lowbrow as the rest. We actually probably do skew too much highbrow. We play much worse music. We talk almost exclusively about Baltimore sports. It sounds as if I'm telling you not to listen to this station. But if you give it a try, I think you'll like it. Inside Access, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. You can also stream us live anywhere in the world on the Radio.com app. Thank you, guys. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, Jason. Talk to you soon. Jason Lockenfora, simply the best. Um, We will come back with all of our betting with Chuck Todd, maybe even James Carville, with Jeff Ma when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Wonder Woman 1984 read. You can experience the epic adventure, Wonder Woman 1984, in theaters and on HBO Max, now streaming at no extra cost to HBO Max subscribers. Plus, with HBO Max, stream the greatest collection of series, movies, and exclusive Max originals all in one place. Discover something new to watch, such as The Undoing, The Flight Attendant, His Dark Materials, and and so much more. Ooh, I, don't I know love how that, that works. That's and a great so much show. more. Is it so much more, or is it and so much more? Go to hbomax.com. Download the app to sign up and start streaming today. Wonder Woman 1984 is rated PG-13 and is available to stream on HBO Max for 31 days from theatrical premiere. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Andrew Bracewell of Vancouver, British Columbia sent us this. It's called Waiting Till Tomorrow, and he writes, I'm fed up with the over-representation of talented musicians on the podcast. If the show stinks, so should the music. So on behalf of the other guys, the bands that went the way of Ike and Tina, the bands whose own parents wouldn't spend $10 to see him play, I submit my crappy band from high school, Advanced Placement. Our music fell under the brooding, angsty umbrella of emo rock. Not sure if Michael ever went through that phase. I think you did. How many emo kids does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. They'd rather cry alone in the dark. <laughs> Just... This is called Waiting Till Tomorrow. Michael, if Andrew Bracewell and his band, Vance Placement, want to send in their original crappy music, which I love, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And when you're going through this phase, please don't leave lyrics that you wrote out on the piano stand for your dad to find and go, oh my gosh, what is this? (laughs) All right, this is our betting segment. We've got Jeff Ma. We're going to get Chuck Todd, and we've got the monkey. We always have the monkey. Jeff is with us. 
from the podcast Bet the Process. I have looked back on some of the things you've done, and you are one of those people who very often, most often, most regularly takes underdogs where you see value. The bad week last week, one and three, but you're still above 500, 46, 44, and three. Can you just explain to the layman out there, including myself, why the, you know, you take underdogs more often than favorites? I mean, traditionally, you just look where the value is. Historically, value has been on the underdogs. That's changed, obviously, with the markets becoming more efficient. Um, I think personally, where I see value or where the analytics see value is is taking the team that's sort of unpopular, the team that looked bad, the team that people can't envision winning. And so, therefore, the underdogs often have value. Um, again, that, that changed a little bit over time. I mean, if you think about the betting public, it, it, it generally used to be misinformed. And when you bet, you're betting sort of recreationally. And if you want to cheer for someone, you're probably going to cheer for the team that's the better team. So you're naturally inclined to pick the better team. The point spread has been designed in football, and it really did revolutionize betting in football because it made it so that someone would want to bet on the Jets or someone would want to bet on the Bengals because they were getting all those points. So um, those points tend to be you know, what we call the great equalizer, and in many uh-huh. cases, underdogs become um, the value. Well, in this week, we just have a three-point game and a three-and-a-half-point game according to the latest numbers, so that's not a whole lot of points. So we'll start you. Um, I don't really understand why this happened, but the NFC game, which is going to be the most popular and more watched game, is the early game and not the late game. But we'll start with that. Tampa Bay is now getting three and a half against Green Bay. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting game because of a, a couple things, right? One, you know, we've talked all playoffs about there being, or at least all season, about there being very little home field. Um, this is, a, a, a chance, you know, especially with fans coming back and, and sound being piped in, this is a, a time, especially with the weather, which is the big thing mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. home field may matter quite a bit. You might look at the situation with, Tom Brady and be like, oh, well, he's been fine in cold weather before. But that one of the reasons that was is because he lived in cold weather. There's a lot of this concept of climatization. There's been papers that have done, been done on it where even, you know, we talked to a very smart betting expert on Bet the Process a couple weeks ago when Indianapolis was playing Buffalo. And, you know, we talked about Indianapolis going to Buffalo. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter because even though Indianapolis plays in a dome, they live in a cold weather climate, they'll be fine in Buffalo. And so, you know, there was a comment made to Tom Brady, um, you know, at at the end of the last game about him moving to Tampa and his blood thinning. And he he did admit to some, some aspect of that. So Green Bay historically has had a a much bigger home field in the playoffs. And generally it's, it's around 12% higher than anywhere else. It's the weather. It's, it's all these other factors. Um, and for that reason, even with this line going up to three and a half, I still think Green Bay is probably the right side here. Um, uh, you know, I, I'll probably be waiting and hoping that we see some Tampa Bay money coming in because Tampa Bay has been a very popular team all season, especially recently. And the idea of getting three and a half points with Tom Brady on the road in the playoffs is something that I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time passing up. Um, so I'd probably wait on this game if you're going to bet Green Bay, but I, I, I like Green Bay. I, I hope it gets back down to three. Um, 
but yeah, the home team here, Green Bay, with that extra home field advantage, and certainly um, the team that's played the best in the NFC all year uh, would be the side for me. The other game seems to me to be dependent on the physical status of Patrick Mahomes. That's a three-point game, Buffalo plus three. But I don't know. I, I mean, is that a game that you would stay away from completely and you would say it, it's it's just too much up in the air, I can't do it? Well, people that bet would have a hard time doing that because there's only two games on Sunday, <laughs> right. unfortunately. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so the reality of someone staying away from that game and the reality of me coming and waking up at 5.15 in the morning and telling you that <laughs> well, I'm not going to bet on that game, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, no. You know, the, the funny thing about, one thing about this game, Tony, you know that you can wager on these games in-game, right? Like uh, after every play, at the, at the commercial breaks, et cetera. I didn't know so that. No, week, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. So, so last week, obviously, when, when Mahomes went out, um, you would expect, what would you have expected to have happened in, the, in that game? That you would bet on Cleveland as hard as you could. Yeah, I mean, everyone was betting on Cleveland. Right. And actually, there became a lot of value on Kansas City. And one of the biggest reasons that there became value on Kansas City was because of the game situation, meaning Kansas City was up. The mm-hmm. impact of Chad Henney versus Pat Mahomes was not as large as people would have thought, right? Think about the number of plays that really mattered for Henny to actually be in there versus Mahomes. And to the average, you know, better, that difference was huge. But because it was so few plays that it mattered, it wasn't quite as big. And, and many of the smart professional betters that I know were on Kansas City in-game because of how much money was being put on Cleveland after Mahomes went out. Well, Henny made uh, those two plays. Henny made the scramble and Henny made the fourth down play. You know, he, and, also and the, the, he also made the pun in the end zone, the, the interception that looked like a pun in the end zone. Terrible. So, yes, it hung up there like a pillow. It was terrible, absolutely he did, terrible. He did make the two leverage plays for sure. Yeah. What did you think of what did you think of them going for that fourth, that fourth down? Well, I'm sitting there like everybody else in America listening to Tony Romo say, just stand still. They're not going to snap it. There's no play. So when they went for it, I, I, my jaw dropped, and I just I thought how great this was for Reed and for Henny. I thought it was great. Didn't expect yeah. it. How about you? Yeah, uh, totally. And, and we just we talked about it on the podcast, like what percentage success did they need to think they, were, they had to, to actually make that a smart play? And, and I think they thought that their success probably was over 90%, you know, precisely because Tyree Kill, you know, one of the fastest players in the league, is now going to get, you know, a half second, maybe a second advantage because the defense does not expect them to snap the ball. So right, even when right. they snapped it at five seconds, it was just, it was brilliant. I mean, yeah. brilliant and, you know, the ability to just end the game right there, it was, it was amazing. So where does that lead you for Buffalo, Kansas City? Yeah, I think, I think you're right on this. It's all about the Mahomes injury. Um, I think if, if Mahomes is healthy, um, minus three for Kansas City it is kind of a bargain. I mean, Buffalo has been a weird team because down the stretch, they completely outperformed Kansas City. Kansas City down the stretch, as we've mentioned, just was not covering games. They were just winning. Um, I personally expect that Kansas City will play better than how they did down the stretch, and it seems like Buffalo, especially in the playoffs, has played worse than they did down the stretch. So, I like Kansas City here minus the three. Um, I I do think that you know the the Mahomes injury is is very like it, this is how a sports better looks at something like this. What should the line be if if Mahomes was healthy? It's probably three and a half four. 
Um, what's the probability that he doesn't play? Maybe, well, let's say the probability is 5% that he doesn't start or, or even less than that. Um, but the probability that he doesn't finish is probably higher than that. And so, therefore, that's why you get this sort of discount in the line. So many would say, okay, well, this line's probably right. I think he'll play. I think he'll finish the game. Um, I think Kansas City will sort of outperform how they played towards down the stretch. And I think Buffalo, you know, they played their best football, and I don't think it's going to be on Sunday. So I like Kansas City. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Jeff is on Bet the Process with Rufus Peabody. You can get that and listen to it and get a lot more than this. Thanks, Jeff. Okay. Bye-bye. Chuck Todd is with us now. He is 4-0. 4-0 and last week. Yeah. He's now 61-64-2. and And if he wins out, if he wins out, there's three games left, he hits 500, which is something that would be extraordinary given what he had done the past few weeks. You must feel good about the 4-0. and I believe I spanked the money. I spanked the monkey, right? Yes. I, I spanked the monkey. Yes, yes. you spanked you the did. monkey. I don't know if we I can say that monkey. on the air. Can yes. you say that on the I, I, well, I'm not I'm sure. Referring to it, the, the monkey did not go four and zero, right? The monkey did not go four and zero. Therefore, I the monkey. The monkey. You right. did indeed. All right. All right. What do you like this week? Let's start with the early game. Tampa Bay now up to three and a half against Green Bay in cold weather. I don't know if it's snow weather, but it's in cold weather. Three and a half. I, you know, I, this is head heart. You know, I, I'd, I'd like to think even without my heart being in this game that that. Uh, the Packers look like right now, and if you look, you know, just based on what we all saw last week, they look like the best team in football right now. So why stand in front of them? They look like the uh, their defense is starting to play better. Their defense is their defense plays better when the Packers are ahead, right? It is their, the, the the Packers' defensive strength is in the secondary because they expect the offense to have a double digit lead early in a game so that they get to sit back there. Uh, and worry about rushing the passer and, and protecting uh, and, and protecting the pass game. So, um, you know, I think they match up well with the Bucks. I think uh, so. And I think, frankly, this is a case where I think the Packers have the better coach. Um, no, no disrespect to Bruce Arians. I think he's good too. But I, I, I think uh, Lafleur is, is is starting to show that he's he learns from previous mistakes. The Packers, when they lost to the Buccaneers first time. Devontae Adams wasn't healthy. They had a whole bunch of other injuries on the offensive line. So I, um, I'm worried about my confidence as a Packer fan, but I think on paper they look – I think that's a cheap line. I'm surprised it's not already at four, and I bet it will be by Sunday. And I'm surprised not, it might even get four and a half or five. Are we back? Yep, I'm rolling. Go for it. Okay, I say are we back because we lost Wi-Fi for a little while for about ten minutes this has been a bad day in terms of losing everything. But, Chuck, you had just picked Green Bay, and I'm not going to do any pushback because I know that you have to get out of here at some point. So I'll ask you about Buffalo plus three, Kansas City. Well, personally, this is an important game because I've declared this the Meet the Press Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. The Bills, yeah. Bills, the Bills win. It's the Russerts, and, and, and Luke and I are already fired up for that with the Packers. A Packers-Bills Super Bowl is with – is what I wanted to uh, declare the Meet the Press Super Bowl. Um, and I, I have to tell you, I really want to take the Bills. I'm nervous about Mahomes' foot and all this stuff, but I don't want to be the chump that bets against Mahomes. And, and that, that's sort of where I'm stuck here. I, 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 I'm not going to bet this game 
personally with money. I pro- I, I, I like the under if I did anything. Um, uh, in that I think it'll be a slightly lower scoring game because I think they're going to try to, both sides might try to slow the game down a little bit at first. Um, but um, I'm going to bet the Chiefs because I don't want to be the chump that bets against the Chiefs. I think I agree with that. I, I just, I don't see how you can go the other way. Buffalo had a great defensive plan for Baltimore and they stopped Lamar Jackson. The Chiefs are so much better than Baltimore. I mean, the Chiefs have so much more with Mahomes. If it's Henny, it's a different deal completely. But if it's Henny, then all bets go out the window, I assume. All right. Well, you were 4-0. and I won't keep you. I know you have stuff to do. Congratulations on all the inauguration coverage. It must be a load off your mind, and, and the physical and mental wear and tear of the last couple of weeks must be extraordinary, right? The metaphor I used is I was on a four-year roller coaster ride. And you yeah. couldn't get off, and we're off. And you know what's weird? It's it's. I've had some fellow reporters, and you'll appreciate this. I had three fellow reporters I talked to yesterday who were like, "What am I supposed to do now?" Like it was yeah. sort of like this. Like mm-hmm. there was almost like you have the shakes. Like you're like, you know, we were so used to this constant barrage of 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 stuff. You had reactionary news coverage that you had to do, and it could happen at any hour or any minute of any day. And all of a sudden, you realize, wait a minute, this is going to be much more functional no matter what you think of joe biden if you like him or don't like him it's going to be predictable and 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 i actually think some reporters are going to have to struggle with that a little bit you're sort of you're used to this one high you were on even if it was horrible but you were so used to it so it's a fascinating little uh come down for the washington press corps i will say this just in in closing i watched the first press conference that the press secretary gave jen saki and and Mm -hmm. i said why are you going to tell the truth? What's the point of me watching this? It's just not, it's not going to be entertaining at all. Well, isn't that terrible? No, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. You're like, well, this is uh, going to be boring. It's going to be truthful yeah. and, uh, and, and detailed. Who needs that? Um, yeah, yeah, who needs that? that? All right. Good luck. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, brother. Chuck Todd. And if we gave you just Chuck Todd, and if we gave you just Jeff Ma and Chuck Todd, that would be more than enough, but we give you a monkey. Watching his iPad smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap tap tapping on his purple iPad. Let's see if you can get this right when you come in. Protect the Wi-Fi. Sometimes he throws when he's had too much Johnny. So we need, yeah, Michael says protect the Wi-Fi since it's going out. So tell us about Reginald, but don't give Reginald that much time. Yeah, go ahead. I will just say Reginald took me to his warehouse, apparently wanted to give you a box of product, Mr. Tony. As you know, he's a spokes monkey for a company called Capital Cummerbund. So I'll be bringing my <laughs> 50 Cummerbunds from Reginald for you. I know you would like that. Um, getting right to the matches. The first one we gave was Green Bay at home, giving three and a half. Uh, Reginald showed me a picture of him playing badminton with Keyshawn Johnson, Warwick Dunn, and Martin Gramatica. So clearly he's okay. got... He's going to Tampa. Going to go Tampa on he's- that one. Um, and the next match we gave, of course, was the Buffalo getting three at Kansas City. And this was brilliant. He showed me video of himself, Reginald, doing ice sculptures with chainsaws. And he's doing sculptures of Bruce Smith, Marv Levy, and Steve Tasker. So clearly, butt ties to the Buffalo area. He would take the bill and the three. Yeah, he was 0-4 last week. He's now 26-30-1. He has fallen behind Chuck Todd. He yes. had a bad week. He had a bad, bad week. week. Let's hope he does better this week. All right. Um, Can never we, have too many cummerbunds. We are rushing, and the reason we're rushing we do dress is for dinner because in the South. yeah, cummerbunds are good. 
<laughs> the reason we're rushing is because we've we've had issues. We've had issues with the connections. Um, and so we think it's mom's cell phone. Yeah. So we're out. Uh, and we'll be back with email and a jingle. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Butcher Box ad. And to protect against bad Wi-Fi, to protect against not being able to do this full ad, I'm going to go off script until the ending. And I'm going to tell you once again, I, I buy this. I spend my own money on this. I really like this. They give, they send us the box that we've got. We get uh, chopped meat, which is, it's no fail chopped meat. You, it's so good. The hamburgers are so good. We get pork chops. We get chicken thighs. We get salmon. We get a whole chicken, and we get a couple of filet mignons. And it's really, really good. I've spent my own money on it. I do recommend it. Um, now, do you get the bacon? No, this is the thing that kills me, that they're giving away St. Louis ribs and a pack of bacon and a pack of pulled pork. And no, I don't get that. And I wish I got that. And I'm going to get to the end and read that. But I don't get that. It's free. And I've been a customer for eight or nine months now. And I have nothing but good things to say about ButcherBox. Honestly, it's really good. The meat's great. Um, it's healthy. It's humanely raised. It's shipped right to your door. It's one less trip to the grocers. It's the way meat should be. But I wish I got the freebies. Right now, you can get a free rack of St. Louis ribs, one pack of bacon, one pack of pulled pork off your first box. That's one rack of St. Louis ribs, one pack of bacon, and one pack of pulled pork for free in the first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash cadence, C-A-D-E-N-C-E. That's butcherbox.com slash cadence, and use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. That's Bill Pitcher. Makes with, me want to go to a baseball game. It's lovely. It's got a baseball and circus all We drove by up. the socialite yesterday. You saw him in the through, street? Driving through Georgetown. Really? Yeah. Was his car banged up? No, he was walking. Oh, he was walking. Yeah. Did you try to hit him? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, Bill Pitcher with that, with that. Thank you very much. Nigel, do the Bethesda Bagels ad, please. Oh, yes. And I need to make a correction. My poor handwriting led me to call uh, Ian. It was Ian Harrington I identified him as. It's actually Ian Warrington, the, the emergency room doctor. Why did you school. get that wrong? Well, because I can't, you know, I almost wrote it as Gub, but I can't tell my H's from my W. So my apologies to the good doctor. Uh, and he's a doctor. Thing. He's a doctor, and he played every single instrument on that piece. It was a great piece. It's okay. fantastic. Well, he understands bad handwriting then. Yeah. Well, if he's a doctor, he understands that. Yeah. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you. Then stop on by, and you'll be thrilled as we are when we eat the bagels. All right, I guess that'll just about do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me say I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I've squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises, all lies and jests. Still, a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. That's from a brilliant song called The Boxer by Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel from 50 years ago. Thanks to our guest today, Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports, Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process, Meet the Press host, Chuck Todd. Thanks as well to our sponsors today, ButcherBox, Vincero, and HBO Max, where you can stream Wonder Woman 1984 right now. 
Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Michael M. Norwood uh, in North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Second time, long time. I wanted to let you know that I live in the southern part of Subaru Heaven, otherwise known as Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You can't go to a fresh market or Whole Foods without being overwhelmed by their numbers. Thought I would include a guide to all the stickers that I see. You can hold it up for News Channel 8 viewers. And it's that 26.2, which is the marathon thing, Coexist, the North Face, oh, yeah. Bernie 2020, Sierra Nevada, which I think is a beer, the thing that Darwin in the in the... You know, coming out of the water, the animal coming out of the water, GoPro and Yeti. You you have all of these, Michael. You know what they are. More of right? an Arctic guy. Yeah. Um, Eileen Robinson in Rochester, Minnesota. I wrote you before and you pronounced my name wrong. Don't worry about it. I've been called Genie by a resident. How could I mispronounce Eileen? I'm embarrassed to say I'm a part owner of a Subaru Impreza. Maintenance is ongoing, but at least it keeps my husband and I going during the crazy Minnesota winters. What car would you recommend for a married couple? I personally like small cars. I listen to your podcast now and then as I balance between shifts as a nursing assistant in school. I'm about to apply to nursing school. I hope you're continuing to stay healthy and safe. Indeed, we are, and we wish that for you, too. Kenny Ray from Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Long time, long time. Now that you have completely exhausted the topic of condiments on grilled cheese sandwiches, can you and Michael clarify what is the proper choice of cheese for grilled cheese? Is it always American cheese? If so, do you recommend the yellow American cheese or the white American cheese? Is it ever acceptable to use the cheese that is individually wrapped in plastic, which is usually labeled cheese food, which I assume means it is neither cheese nor food? Cheese-type product. Can you use Swiss cheese? If so, should you use Swiss cheese with the large holes or Swiss cheese with the small holes? Or would it really matter since once the cheese melts, it won't have any holes? Is it ever acceptable to mix cheese types, say a slice of Swiss and a slice of American? The grilled cheese proletariat awaits the wisdom of the grilled cheese cognoscenti. And seriously, is it ever acceptable to use the words proletariat and cognoscenti in the same sentence? Michael, you want to take this? Sean, you have strong thoughts on the cheese for a proper grilled cheese. Am um, I correct? I, I like a cheddar and a gruyere together. See, I think it's it's all about the balance. Mm-hmm. Not now, all about the base. Now, all about that base. Now, if you want to go traditional with your American cheese type product you just have to be aware once it's off the griddle that thing is going to solidify in about two minutes so you have to eat quickly okay i got no wishes if you if that's what you want from josh hearth in cape coral florida this is a long story but do you cut it i was slice? working i was 15 working my first job as a cook in a country club poolside gazebo i came in ordered grilled cheese we had no flat top griddle so they were cooked over an open flame grill I buttered the bread as usual, made the grilled cheese. Gentleman was on his way. A few minutes later, he came back with a friend to get another. Said it was the best grilled cheese he's ever had. He wanted his friend to get one as well. So I repeated the process. As word spread fairly quickly, people lined up to get these sandwiches. To be fair, lining up at this little gazebo was probably 10 to 15 people long and not exactly like the line to get on Peter Pan's flight at Disney World. So back to the story. Everyone raved about these grilled cheese sandwiches to my confusion until I went into the kitchen inside the main building with the large butter container that I had grabbed during prep in the morning, only to be told it was in fact custard that the chef had made in preparation for the dessert they were making for that evening's dinner. So maybe mayo instead of butter isn't all that far off. As this was almost 30 years ago, I hope any statute of limitation has run out in case there's potential food poisoning cases may arise. French toast. Steve Silberman, St. Augustine, Florida. A few years ago, while traveling through the Orlando airport, I stopped to use the restroom. As I walked in, I noticed a phone camera flash showing off. I looked and saw Lou Holt standing next to the man wearing a Notre Dame hat. As I walk past, I hear the following comment by Lou. I'm always happy to make time for a fan, but next time, could you please let me wash my hands? In December of 1990, I had the good fortune of seeing Dizzy Gillespie at the Blue Note in New York City. 
After the show, I went to the restroom. Standing next to me was Dizzy himself. While doing our business, I shared with him how much I enjoyed the show. He thanked me and said I, how much he enjoyed playing at the Blue Note. And with that, he removed his right hand off that thing he was holding and offered me an opportunity to shake his hand. I looked at him, shook my head, smiled, and said, that's okay. And instead, <laughs> patted him on the back and began to walk away. As I was walking, he said, hey, kid, you're not as dumb as you look. And I replied, how could I be? And with that self-deprecating comment, I heard a giant laugh from Dizzy. From Jeff Field in Wontaw, that's on the south shore of Long Island, Nassau County. Hey, Tony. Well, it's actually Mid-Island. Hey, Tony, while on the topic of celebrity bathroom run-ins, I was at the Super Bowl four years ago in Houston between Antonio Brown and Sal Palantonio at the media bathroom urinal. Not to be outdone, my brother once saw Jerry Rice in an airport bathroom, but all he could muster and say was, Mr. Rice, why the hell are you flying southwest? I think that's actually sort of funny. <laughs> From Mark Finer in Greenwich, Connecticut. My entry into the David Aldridge moment, urinal category. In the mid-'80s, my father took me to see the eight-hour Broadway production of Nicholas Nickleby. You went to a four-hour matinee, left for dinner, and returned for a four-hour nightcap. In the intermission of part one, I find myself at a urinal next to the great stage actor Jason Robards. I said nothing. After dinner and before part two, I returned to the bathroom and, against all odds, found myself right next to Jason Robards yet again, as I said nothing again. But as we were zipping up, we made eye contact, and Mr. Robards raised his eyebrows and shrugged with a bemused expression on his face. I laughed out loud. Only now does it occur to me to be concerned that at 14 I had the prostrate of a man 50 years my senior, which I think is funny. And one more. Mark Spina or Spiner in Fishers, Indiana. This story from the fellow little meeting Tommy Lasorda in the men's room reminded me of a similar encounter I had a few years ago. I was at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, home of St. Elmo's for a Colts-Jets playoff games and had just used the facilities on the upper-level suite. I turned a corner and realized I was almost face-to-face -face with Bob Costas. The NBC booth was evidently on that upper level. All I could think to say was a question I had wanted to ask him for the last 20 years or so. I stuck my hand out to shake his, and I said, Can I see it? Bob gave me an extremely disconcerted look, which was appropriate, as we were at the entrance to a men's room. Before I could explain, he smiled and said, I hope you mean this and reached into his jacket pocket and produced the fabled 1956 Mickey Mantle baseball card. I said, yes, yes, thank you so much. Your eulogy for Mickey was amazing. We both chuckled, exchanged pleasantries, and I said I'd let him go about his business. I sometimes wondered what might have taken place had our timing been just a little bit different. I'd like to think I would have handled the situation differently, but alas, I'm a dope. I'm glad Al and Chris kept him in the booth that extra two minutes. Mark Spina, Fishers, Indiana. I love Bob Costas, as people know. I just think he's the best. That's a great story. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. What a waste of time. God. so happy we were so in love we were young to listen down we made it up as we went along i still remember the way that we danced to our favorite song those were the days when it seemed like we could do no Days I feel like thunder Frightened Without you And now I sit and wonder Living 
always stressed out and I'm just 17 And what is the point? I guess I'll never know Maybe it's time I packed up and go I dream of getting out of here Maybe tomorrow, maybe next year 